Hi, and welcome to episode 77 of Talking with Painters, the podcast where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and my guest today is Susan Baird. She's been painting for over 35 years with over a dozen solo shows to her name, but her career didn't take the traditional course. With no significant exposure to painting in her childhood and leaving school at 16, it found her when she was working as a graphic designer and she was catapulted into her first show in Sydney's premier art district at only 18 years of age. It was only after several solo shows that she studied art in any formal sense in New York and later back in Sydney. Primarily working in landscape on plein air, reflecting the beauty peculiar to this country, she uses colours expertly through years of experience, using brushes, palette knives and even squeegees to transport us into that dreamlike world she creates. Her upcoming solo show at Flinders Lane Gallery in Melbourne opens on 15 October 2019 and centres around a place she's been visiting for over 10 years and where she now owns a home, Historic Hill End, well known to many artists in Australia. We shot some video in that amazing place a few weeks ago and that'll be on the YouTube channel soon. And as usual, of course, all the paintings we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. Susan grew up in northern Sydney in the suburb of Kalara, and our conversation starts with her memories of that time. At the time, there were probably only four houses in our street oh, right. and a house backed onto a reserve. So we used to go bushwalking and do all those sorts of things as children oh, way okay. before, you know, you set out with GPSs and hats and water <laughs> and snacks and sunscreen. <laughs> Um, I did also spend a lot of time with my grandparents so I kind of feel a little bit like I grew up in the suburbs of Sydney but also my grandparents um, had a factory in Castle Ray Street in the city and I used to spend all my school holidays with them and so a lot of my time was spent actually at their factory. And what sort of factory was it? They were actually furriers. Oh, really? And um, like what, like fur coats? They used to make furs. It was in a very old um, the boiler. It's called the Boilermakers Building, which was in Castle Ray Street, two thirty two oh, yeah. Castle Ray Street. And a lot of my creativity comes from that time because I was surrounded by people making things, and I was exposed to art more through, not necessarily art, but. Um, creativity really through my grandmother. I mean, she allowed me to do, you know, allowed me to paint and draw and cook and make a mess. But she was always out in what she called the back room of their house, always finishing off furs or making a dress for somebody or, Mm. you know, she was was just a tireless worker really. So it was, and you observed that? Well, she would show me something or she would say, why don't you sit down and do a painting and, you know, sit me on the kitchen table like the little 1950s Formica (laughs) kidney-shaped table with the gorgeous wrought iron chairs. Yeah. Everything in her house was just magnificent, simple, but every sort of little item she would have saved up for and hand-picked and yeah so that's right that's what I love so much about well my mum's home and also my nan's home I think it was just that having that sort of sense of um I guess stability security just knowing it's always going to be there 
and mm. Mm. yeah, a real home. Yeah, you know, people's childhoods are so complex, and you know, often fraught as well. And you know, even though you might have like a really close relationship with your parents, you might not think that they understand you particularly well and, you know, all of that, yeah, even though you yeah, have a really yeah, close yeah. relationship with yeah. them and reasons for doing things and, mm, like, this might not go, you know, you may not use this, but I'm just sort of being honest with you in explaining what I think that it's about. You know, depending on your family situation, like there's so many different ways, right, you've either got your family, you've been, you've grown up around other painters or you've seen art or you've been exposed to art or your parents loved art and they took you to lots of galleries and all of that. That that wasn't my thing at all, even though mum did love painting. Like she did love beautiful things and she did love art, but it, that really wasn't, um, it's more... Um, kind of a way of us to escape, like an escapism. Mm. And so I used to escape into my piano a lot, into music. Mm. And I used to like look out the window of my bedroom all the time and just think, wonder what was going to happen in the future. Like not what was going to happen in the future, but like it was like you're constantly looking and thinking and waiting and thinking something, I don't know, like observing mm. and going into yourself so I studied graphic design basically when I left school I went to a private college and I ended up working for a freelance graphic designer who also painted and I used to watch him paint oh okay and um my work with him involved um rendering storyboards kind of like little film snippets that would be presented to an advertising agency or a client. I worked there for a few years and used to watch him paint and then we'd, you know, one day he came with a, a canvas and paints for me and I made a painting. And oh, right. Do you remember what it was? Yeah. What was it? It's, um, it was called The Red Umbrella. Yeah. And um, I'd been up in the Gold Coast on a holiday and I looked out over this expanse of sea and on the um, beach was this red umbrella casting a purple shadow. So that was kind of the beginning of my, really my art, it sounds ridiculous saying my art career, but actually um, I made probably, I don't know, half a dozen paintings mm. and then um, and then he he encouraged me to well, he didn't even encourage me. He put the paintings in the car. <laughs> <laughs> he just took Which over. That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I think he really did want to kick me out, actually, of that studio. And he wanted get, you to keep yeah, hanging yeah, around. Yeah, he didn't want. Yeah, he, I, <laughs> he gave me the wings to fly. Mm. Yeah, and so I eventually moved out of there, out of the studio and got my own studio and stuff. Yeah. But um, Well, what I find so interesting about that is we've jumped from, you know, being 16 and doing a year's course and now you're painting and there's no formal tuition really. No. But you did end up having formal, formal training. Yeah. But the, actually before we get to that, 
you actually had a few solo shows before you actually did go to New York to study mm-hmm. in your first your first sort of formal education. Yeah. So how did you get? How did you start off okay, exhibiting? So the first shows that I had were in Sydney and in some little galleries around the eastern suburbs. Oh yeah. So those first paintings that I made went to a gallery on Queen Street. How did that happen? Because he put them in the car and took them there. <laughs> So how old were you? I was, I've just turned 18. Oh, okay. Gee. For whatever reasons, what I was painting and whatever was happening at the time equaled lots of painting sales. What was that I was like able though? To, what was that experience like? It was, it was actually pretty, pretty crazy. This is Queen Street Wallara. Yeah. Like sort of yeah. the, the premium sort of art area of Sydney at that point. Yeah. And like just... Um, the little gallery was called the Warwick Stocks Gallery. Yeah. And um, Warwick, was a, he was a great guy and um, I'm sure he still is a great guy. But <laughs> <laughs> um, he had this fantastic little space and he popped my paintings in the window and, and he'd ring, ring me back, you know, a week later and say, have you got any more paintings? And I just, that's really how I learnt to paint was by painting. And how did the jump happened to go to New York, to go to New York Studio School. Why did you do that? Okay, so I was looking at various different painters and I was looking at um, Kevin Connor. I saw an amazing exhibition of a survey show of his at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. And I just knew that even though things were going well for me, it just wasn't enough. I just knew that I had to... I I knew that I needed more Mm. and I probably would have been okay if I'd had just continued on being self-taught. I would have become probably a very different kind of painter. But also I really wanted that experience of going, I've always wanted to go and live in New York Mm. and I had to figure out how was I going to go and do that because my parents weren't going to give me the money to do it. So... I had to basically raise a lot of cash to put myself through art school there. Yeah, right. And was that a year-long thing? Well, it was the studio school at that time wasn't actually like a degree. It was it was just an atelier-based school where you could go per semester, and yeah, so it wasn't just like learn. yeah, just and, learn. and just paint and draw. And was it classical? And it was incredibly rigorous. Right. Um, yeah, the figure. Yeah, yeah working from the figure. Yeah, so it's not really so much about. Yes, it is based on drawing the figure, but it's really more about language of painting. And the language of painting through making the right mark. You know, I'm looking for truth in the mark in the mark making process, mm. and that's the thing that's really stayed with me. Like. I would have loved to have learnt more about colour there and I have kind of figured that out over the years but that really did take a long time. But the lessons from the studio school have definitely stayed with me. What sort of things would you have learnt there that you didn't know? Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the first thing was um, paint what you see, not what you think you know. So we have all these preconceived ideas about how we think things should look but when you actually look really closely at something. Um, 
it's the experience in a way of the space, uh, the space between. So when I, if I think about it in terms of landscape painting and how I would translate what I learnt there into what I paint now, when I'm looking at a landscape. I'm painting the space between me and that tree or me and that sky or mm. and my relationship to it. Mm. And so that's basically what you're drawing at the studio school, painting the studio school, working for multiple figures in a room. It's not just the line or the mark of an arm or whatever. It's the space between you and that arm. So... And then you're constantly sort of erasing and redrawing, erasing and redrawing. Mm. So when I paint the landscape now, I might put down a mark, but then I'll scrape it out with my squeegee or my palette knife. Mm. I'll wash it back and then I'll repaint that mark in again. Mm. It's just a way of... Of describing that space. Describing it, yeah. Mm. And you're describing it, you're painting it viscerally um, and using your body and your... I use my, obviously, my hands, but, you know, like it's your eye and your heart and your, and your mm. knowledge. And well, it is, it, when you say knowledge, I think knowledge is so important because um, I, I find that idea of, of describing space just baffling. I, 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 don't, I still don't get it. <laughs> like I, I, when I see it, I can okay, see it. so I didn't get it either mm. and then... Graeme Nixon, who's the dean of the studio school, mm. he he could see that I was struggling on a drawing or something, you know, how to make... How do you make a mark go inwards on a piece of paper? And I just watched his hand do this mark and I thought, wow. Mm. And I think that I do learn by watching. How did you learn yeah. about colour? Because you're a great colourist. I mean, that's one of the main things when I see your work. Oh, I just thanks, love Maria. Um... I honestly have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose. No. Okay, look, there's a couple of things. I am naturally good at colour, mm. okay? So mm. when I first started to mix colour, I just knew that that colour went. It's sort of like cooking, mm. you know, oh, it needs a bit of this, a bit of that. And then, you know, decades later, um, I did that Master of Art at Kofa. Yeah. And one of the classes that I took was actually a colour class and we had to make a colour wheel. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is after being painting for 30 years. But, you know, it was actually the best thing I've ever done. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. Just got me really thinking about how I can make colour more complex. Mm. So... I actually did learn a lot doing that course. That's interesting, yeah, isn't it? Even yeah. though you'd been painting for so long. And especially in printmaking. Like the printmaking really opened me up to line and colour, bringing more line into my work because I never used to do that before. My, my paintings were painting were really more areas of colour, blocks of colour with not a lot of line. Mm. And now I think I'm able to bring line and colour together with more ease after working with etchings and separating plates and making like a key plate and then a, another, you know, a secondary plate. I will pick, you know, two blues, two reds, two, you know, whatever mm. for a particular painting that I'm using and 
throw them all into a container and that's that's the palette for that painting so you know like if I'm not there and I come back to Sydney for two weeks and yeah. I go back to Hill Land, I actually have to really wreck my brains as to what the hell was I doing two weeks ago. <laughs> so I throw the paints into a container and put that container underneath my painting so I remember that's what I was using. That's the palette. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it can be confusing because you can arrive at a colour various way in various ways yes yeah you can um so it's not necessarily you're going to see a painting think oh yeah i used x y and z yeah necessarily should some artists are really good at taking notes and sometimes i look back at paintings and think oh i really wish i remembered what i did there Mm. occasionally i will be disciplined and write notes about paintings but Oh no! When you're in the thick so of it, you don't it think of that. By the end that. of the day, I don't can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd take you like thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> then there's like bothered. an hour of brush cleaning to do. Yeah. <laughs> do you brush? Do you clean your brushes every day? Yeah. Oh, you do. So you finish the day. I'm very, very um, methodical when it comes to that. Really. Yeah. So you yeah. you want to make sure. It's like I have to turn up the next day, and the studio has to be inviting. So that wasn't just for me when I came and I saw no, all those brushes lined up. No, I lined them up. I, no, they're lined up because I've just washed them and I want them to dry flat and not have horrible little bits sticking out here and there. Right. So I sort of pat them flat on my table. Okay. Because they're big, wide they're brushes. They're very wide and they're brushes. they're very thin. Yes. I don't like thick brushes. I like thin, wide brushes. Oh, okay. So I use them to make lines and draw with as well as paint with. So the wide edge of the brush becomes like my you know whatever my pencil or my yeah 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 yeah. so it's important for you to to look after them because if they start getting out of shape expensive yeah every time you buy a brush from you know wherever you buy your art materials (laughs) i know it's not the abc so i can say you know (laughs) parker's art supplies (laughs) Um, yeah, look, it is what it is. Yeah, you well, need to have. I, I have to have work with good brushes. Mm, yeah, mm, that's very disciplined. And, and I have how some do you scruffy ones as well? Right. Yeah. How do you wash them? How do you clean them? Okay, so there's so I wash them first of all in odorless solvent, and then I take them to the laundry and I wash them in water and a little bit of this amazing brush cleaner stuff that I buy. It's called Incredible Brush Cleaner. I've heard of that. Yeah. It's actually incredible. (laughs) So you use it like a soap and you wash it out and then I rinse them and then I pat them dry with a towel and I lovingly take them back to the studio and I pat them down and I rinse them again in odourless solvent to get the soap and whatever out. Yeah, right. And then... So it's a huge process. Yeah, it's really, really boring. Yeah, so... (laughs) And how many brushes would you use in a session, do you reckon? Probably about 10. Right. And what about your palette? So would it be, I remember you had a huge, when I came up there, mm. came out to Hill End. Well, by the way, we should mention, I should mention now that <laughs> we were talking about Hill End and we were going to get to that a different way, but we will talk about that. It's a village like about five hours. Is it five hours from yeah, Sydney? It's, it's we talked about it with Luke Scabera. About four and a half hours drive from from Sydney. I mean, you know. Luke would probably say, don't be ridiculous, it's three and a half hours. <laughs> but I have to stop lots of times. Yeah, yeah it takes yeah. me about, it can actually take me five hours to drive there. Yeah, I'm not surprised. You've got to it's stop. Pretty far. And, this, and Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's and you, you and it's not an easy drive up that hill. I find it. It's very windy. It's absolutely stunning, and and we talked about it with Luke, and it's a beautiful village, it's sort of an, a real artist community there. It and, is, yeah. And you bought a house there yeah. in the last year or so. What was it about Hill End? Because you did go for, as you say, a couple of residencies mm-hmm. there to those cottages that they um, have residencies at. Yeah. Um, what was it that really made you fall in love with the place? Definitely the light. Um, so I first went there when I was doing the Master of Art. So the reason I did that Master of Art was I wanted to consolidate my practice, but I also wanted to shift away from painting the urban landscapes to painting landscape. And I needed to learn how to contextualise my work. And it was a whole bunch of reasons why. And I wanted to learn about how to write properly because I, because I left school when I was quite young. My writing wasn't great and I wanted to be able to express myself better I suppose Mm. so that was kind of the reason for that and then the hill end part was that I'd seen um works by various different artists from hill end and I just thought this looks like a really interesting landscape and I want to go and explore it so um Michael my partner um we just we went up there together and um just for like a road trip and I took a bunch of photos and it was just incredible. I just never forget thinking how dark it is, how evocative it is, how moody it is. Like it was so transporting and amazing. I was mm. like, I can really get into this landscape. Mm. And I did those, took the photos and I wanted to make these um, nocturnes and got home and I started making the paintings and I was like, oh, I really, I really want to go back up to that spot and have a look at, look at that scene again. Mm. so we got up there and we were wandering around going oh where the hell was that and I had the photos and going I just couldn't figure out where I'd taken these photos from I was like I'm sure it was here just couldn't find the spot at all yeah and then I was walking back to the car and it was like about say 6 30 at night or something and all of a sudden the light dropped and in the rear vision mirror of the car I saw my picture that I was paint that I'd painted and it was all just because of the light. Oh, really? At that particular time of day, it all changed. It went from one type of scene to another type of scene and that was it. Oh, and that was actually the painting that I made that um, I put in the Paddington Art Prize all oh, those yeah, years ago. That you got um, the People's Choice? Um, I got I won People's Choice and I got an honourable mention for that's the work. That's right, that's right. So yeah. I realised that it was, Hill End was all about the light. So I think... Mm. From there, from that point, um, I just started to make paintings that were about the light in Hill End. What do you do if a work, if a painting's not working? Would you keep going and keep plugging at it to try and make it work, or will you find it it ends up facing, or or, or would you abandon it? Um, one thing I do. If I'm making a painting and it might look a bit kind of stuck or a bit heavy or something or just not really going in the direction. I don't know, you know, like it's locked down too early in the process. Um, I just literally just get my solvent and just run it across the top of the painting and let it fall down and then get a squeegee and scrape 
all that paint back and so what I'm left with is like a ghost or a veil of the work that I'd previously made Mm. and quite often what's good about that is you actually get back to the poetry like the good beginning bit that you stuffed up (laughs) yes and then then, yeah yeah, you can let that dry Mm. and work back into it and quite often that's what I do I think the first marks you make are usually the right marks like when you second guess yourself and you go back in and like, mm, I'm going to fix that. No, mm, bad decision. Um, yeah, so I do tend to do that a lot. I, I think I remember reading or hearing something that Lloyd Reese used to do that. So I thought that was a good idea. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know how those paintings are sort of so dreamy, but somehow they're kind of anchored and they have that amazing like underpinned with sort of like a an architecture, an armature or something mm. that they're really held, but it's so they're so fluid. Mm. And would you take photos in the process as you go along? No, definitely not. You don't. Oh, of the paintings when yeah, they're as you're messing up really badly. <laughs> well, when you oh, think they're only not. If, only if I'm really struggling and I need to phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you get some advice from a friend? Sometimes, yeah. Well, you know, less so less so now than I used to, but, yeah. Yeah, Sometimes, it's interesting to yeah, get another opinion. This? Do you think of this? What does it need? Oh, it just needs one tiny little mark just up there somewhere. You're like, oh, mm. I mean, half the time you never, ever take that advice, <laughs> yeah, but, right. you know, you feel better that you've put the call out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes if you take it on a photo on your phone and you look at the painting on your phone, it's different. And I mean, you mm. can come up with an idea that you're not getting by looking at, it, especially when you're working large sizes like you are. Yeah, don't you think? sometimes. Yeah, well, you know, I have made, I have taken photos of progress shots of paintings over the years, where more so when I didn't have the studio in Hill End, though. So when I was had a studio somewhere else. Then I'd go home at night and I'd just be obsessing in my bed looking at photos of my painting that I made that day that I either messed up or I don't know, you know, it all went pear-shaped or what can I do to it tomorrow or, you know. Yeah, yeah, because you can't just walk into the next room. I can't walk down the corridor and have a look at it. (laughs) Yeah, so I think I used to do that a lot more than I do now. So I have more storage space on my phone. And do you think, or you're talking about um, small paintings versus large paintings, do you feel that when you're doing a smaller painting, you are going to approach it in a different way? Or you're going to use different marks on a smaller painting than you would on a bigger I painting? I actually use exactly the same size brushes. I know that sounds crazy. Really? So Could you it, use those yeah, big ones? even the big ones sometimes, yeah. Because one of your paintings that I really love... I saw when we were, I was at your studio mm-hmm. called Keeping Watch and it's this mm-hmm. small diptych, um, which it's only 25 centimetres high, I think it's by mm-hmm. 60. It's, it's, it's a scene um, at dusk and so the, the sky's quite pink mm-hmm. and then you've got the other two-thirds of the paintings like this dark green. But, yeah, exactly what you're saying is the marks, there are enigmatic large sort of brush marks in the foreground which you can't really tell what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, it's got a real evocative feeling about it. Mm. I just loved it. Yeah, I actually do remember. Um, so that picture I made, I started actually a long time ago. 
um, when we used to rent a little house up there called Cook's Cottage. Oh, yeah. And Cook's Cottage looks out towards, you know, down more towards the hill end part of, you know, the what you call, you know, the more um, the mining historic, end. typical, you know, villagey part of Hill End. And that's the end where you get the beautiful sunsets and the colour. So you get that amazing pink and the black trees against mm. the pink sky. Yeah, like a silhouetted feeling. And I did start that picture actually on the veranda of that cottage. Um, this is many years ago now and... There were some, I don't know, just interesting shapes that I was just picking up and painting very kind of like thin. I think that's a, it's quite a thin, it's a smooth, more smooth sort of thin painting to what I'm painting at the moment. Mm. So it hung around and hung around and hung around like, you know, face to the wall for years. And then finally I thought, no, I'm going to finish that painting. And then I finished it from memory. So it's a, it's a combination mm. of my remembered experience and also you know so I started at plein air and then I finished it in my studio just on my painting table oh okay that's and that's yeah, going to be recently. your show yeah. isn't it yeah it's in my show yeah, and the yeah. show coming up at Flinders Lane Gallery yeah yeah and can so you tell me quite bit? often I have paintings that hang around for a long time and then I'll revisit them and try and finish them or I look back at them and I think oh I thought that was horrible but actually it was probably okay I'm going to work in, work on that again so mm. Yeah, it's having that break from it. Mm. And it also gives you freedom, I think, doing that as well. Yeah, because you don't really care about the painting because you're going to paint over the top of it and (laughs) wreck it or who cares. Well, did that start off as a diptych or was it always? It was always a diptych, Oh, was it? Yeah. So I work on those tiny little 25 by 30s, but really they should be just long paintings in the beginning. But it goes back to that storyboard thing of how I see... So they're like storyboards of the landscape, oh, my okay. experience travelling through the landscape. Yeah, right. And that's – so maybe I started it and thought, no, this needs to be a wider painting. And that's another studio school thing too where it start a painting and then if that head or arm went off, then you added another canvas or another sheet of paper and you just mm. kept adding to, until you got mm. – Rather than thinking, oh, I've got to redo this I'm gonna, and squash I'm it squish back it all in. into I'm this squish canvas, it, make that yeah. arm smaller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually a great attitude. You know, it's like mm. Lewis Miller does that. He just keeps on adding panels. <laughs> it just gets huge. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And um, that actually, that painting was the one I, we took video of this. I, I don't know if it's going to end up in the final video, but we were talking about that great. Um, approach you've got where you don't you were saying how you don't want to frame these paintings because the the side of the painting is got so much history yeah yeah and we could see the layers because they'd be dripping from each layer it's funny that you say that about that particular work yeah because I am I I did decide in the end to frame my show yeah um but that that painting I'm not going to frame and even though it's got a lot of mess around the edges I just hate that thing of painting over that. I just find it just. Yeah, you were saying you don't want to paint over no, to tidy up the sides. You no, don't, you don't and want it to also do that. really affects the way you read the work. Because if you're looking at a painting from the side, you can sort of see, you know, the different layers of maybe the ground went down and a bit of pink dribbled over the side and then you went back in with another colour. And the way all those colours build up, 
really informs how you read the surface of the painting. Mm. Mm. You always see artists that you can always tell an artist at an exhibition because they're the ones looking at the edges. <laughs> I must and say thinking, they were beautiful edges. How can they? Oh, some <laughs> artists are so good at it though. I just look at that some artists' edges and just think, wow, that that's a brilliant combination of colours that they've used there. But yeah. <laughs> So what is the show about? Tell me about it because it's called All Around Me yeah. and it is, it's, it's about Hill End, isn't it, and your home there? Yeah, so I really called it that because it's my first exhibition from having a home and studio in Hill End and it's really just about what's closest to me and what's all around me, whether it's looking through a window in my lounge room or looking out of a studio window to you know, the garden or, mm. you know, the eucalypts or the gum, ghost gums or that dam that I'm painting. Yeah, right. So a, a lot of these paintings are done plein air, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you, you set up your easel out in the yeah. landscape. Yeah, it's great having the studio so close too because it's just so much going on out there. Mm. Half the time you don't know what you've painted and you bring it inside to see it on a clean white wall. So... so so I presume you sometimes keep working on a painting. Mm-hmm. After you've painted on a plein air, you'll mm-hmm. bring it in the studio and you'll keep going. I don't like, really don't like painting on paintings in the studio if I've been painting on them outside particularly because I don't know, you can really mess up a painting mm. that way. Mm. Um even if a painting's not 100% perfect, it's never going to be perfect, but you know what I mean? Like if you're not 100% happy with it, sometimes it's better just to leave it because the minute you go in to that painting, in, well, for me anyway, it's like the language is different or something mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. pick it, but you've mm-hmm. gone back into it again. So I would rather, I prepare my paintings to paint them outside so, for example, I might think I'm going to paint outside tomorrow and I need to make sure I've got a nice dry ground on my painting. And then I might think I want my painting to go in this direction so it might need a big shape like this, which I might paint that before. Mm. So at least I have something to start with, you know, like something to respond to or against. Then I bring them into the studio and quite often I'll look at the painting and think, mm, I'll flip it upside down onto my wall. I do like looking at paintings like that. Yeah. And I might just paint over it, like maybe the next day, I might just use that as a basis for the painting again, but I might reverse the painting or something, turn it around and paint back into it around oh. the other way. So then the top becomes the bottom and or the bottom becomes the top or something. So, like, say, for example, if there's a reflection yeah, or so something. Yeah, so if I'm painting a dam or, and I just think, mm, it's all a bit literal, mm. I don't like that, so I'll flip it and then I'll repaint the painting in another direction. But it's still the essence of all of these marks that you're making outside. Mm. So hopefully, you know, the language is the same and it's just a build-up, you know, you're, just, you're building up marks Um, actually, one thing you've got you've um, got a son, yeah. and I, one of the things I always want to ask mothers is is how they managed, uh, or how how did that affect their career, 
at that point of their lives mm-hmm. when they had a baby. Um, did it take a back seat? What What did you What did you do? Mm. Well, at that time, I don't think I had a gallery then when Alexander was born. But I did used to work with a lot of art consultants and I did commissions and I was working towards getting back to getting finding a gallery at that point. Right. So you were well established at that point. You'd mm-hmm. had quite a few solo shows, yeah, I had you? Yeah, yes, I did. And I had a lot of family support. My mum was amazing and she used to take him a lot for me, especially on weekends. Mm. When he was about three, I remember... I got my studio in William Street, East Sydney. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to, you know, I had to work between those hours, you know, whatever the daycare was, 10 and 3 or something. Mm. So I had to have Mm. an alarm that went off to remind me. (laughs) Yeah. To go and pick him up, you mean? I did actually, yeah, I did really (laughs) mess up one day. Because I remember he was in like a family day, not family daycare, but one of those... um, council kind of ones which had you had to be there by three o'clock or you know (laughs) I don't know get in big trouble yeah and um and then the other day I had him one day a week I think he did go to a long daycare and I got the days mixed up and this is before I don't think I even had a mobile phone yeah you know what I mean yeah and I remember this looking at it and just I was in the studio (laughs) and then I remembered and I was like Oh, it's like leaving yeah. your baby on the bus or something. <laughs> and that day, my dad, he's never done it in his life, but he decided he'd show up at the daycare centre. So he, they were waiting for yeah, you? Yeah, they were standing at the gate, like looking at me like I was just the worst <laughs> mother ever. Oh, gosh. I yeah. can imagine oh. it. Oh, I can imagine and I was it. over in East Sydney and that was there and, oh, my God. But, yeah, so, look, I, I probably wasn't really I was painting at home probably only for about three years before I got the studio I just went crazy I had to get I had to get back to my life and Mm, get back mm. to having a you know working around other artists and so you've you've worked in group studios oh Maria I've had so many studios my first studio was in a building called Silk Knit House in Surrey Hills you know, that back, getting back to those graphic design days or whatever. Um, I was only, you know, 18 or something. And I took a, um, I used to love getting the um, industrial premises for let and wanted section in the paper and going oh, yeah. through them and looking at all the, thinking, oh, that would make a good studio. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually did rent a space and advertised for artists. So this is before artists did these share spaces. Oh, yeah. And... I managed to kind of get my rent quite cheaply because I had about four other artists renting out the floor. It was an amazing space, so absolutely yeah. incredible space. Do you prefer to be surrounded by other artists? Not really, no. No? No. I work much better by myself, mm. yeah. Look, I think it was great at the time, mm. but I am the sort of person that if I'm painting and someone walks into the studio, I just have to, like, stop. Mm. It's yeah. just, no, I'm not I'll... really good at doing that group thing. Like I've done residencies before, like Joanna Logan and I did that residency down in Bruni Island together. Mm. Um, but we didn't work together. I worked 
near the house and outside and she was up in the studio, which is an old sort of um, wool shed. Um, And it's great being able to work and then come together at the end of the day and talk about your work and that kind of thing. But I don't really like painting in a room with another person. Mm. Yeah. On the flip side of that, though. Um, but it is lonely. Exactly. I was going to so ask that's you. what the good thing about Hill End is, is because you have all of these wonderful, generous, like-minded souls up there. Mm. And even if you don't see people all the time, you know that they're there. Yeah. But they're not in your face. Like, people just get yeah. on with what they have to do. They're down and, the road. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your routine when you when you're in Hill End? Like will you be having a full on day painting every day? Mm, I'll paint not every day, but um I okay, so if I have a really, really huge day painting, like a mega day. <laughs> <laughs> what's that like um, eight hours or something? Well, I might only paint for four of those actual hours, but it takes setting up, cleaning up, you know, mm. painting for four hours, and the next minute, you know, the six hours has gone by or something. Yeah. So the day does go pretty quickly. And then the light as well, so you kind of have to work around that. Yeah, I've got to turn up to the studio every day, but I may not paint all day every day, though. Mm. I can get completely exhausted after about two days of full-on painting and then I just need to have a day not painting. Mm. Plus the paints might, paintings are probably a bit too wet to paint on. Yeah, right. Because there are, you do work in layers. I, I like working in, yeah, I work in oils and I do like sometimes the paintings to be completely dry before I go back into them again. Mm. Now also I want to ask you about uh, how you use social media. Because I know you're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're on Facebook as well. I am, but I've, I am on Facebook, but I very rarely look at it. Right. I might occasionally send an Instagram post to Facebook, mm. but I've just found um, in the last, well, since Instagram's been going, however long that is now, yeah, I just use that. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed, I, I actually, I notice a lot of artists are more active on Instagram. Yeah, look, it's, Instagram is great. But it's um, the, the one thing that does I do find a bit exhausting about it is you can just see so much art on there and I love knowing what other people are doing and seeing incredible things that, you know, there's such an international audience. So in that respect, it's brilliant. But sometimes if I'm actually going to paint, I don't tend to look at it too much because I just don't want to be thinking about other people's paintings when I'm trying to make a painting. Mm, mm. And I don't just follow art. Like I love, you know, historical architecture and, you know, cooking and, you know, I've got, you know, yeah. anything to do with Italy and like my, you know, so yeah, I, I'm... Yeah, yeah, And it's a never-ending scroll. That's yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, and some days I actually think, wow, what did I remember from that experience? And there might only be a couple of things that I remember because there's a lot of information to take on isn't there it's huge yeah and do you feel like you have to get lots of followers and stuff like that um look not really like I've never really 
actively tried to get followers, just kind of like starting to kind of slowly tick over, but yeah, really. no, you, well, yeah, I know. It would be interesting to know <laughs> if high volume of like a high number of followers equates to more sales. I think maybe for galleries, because the galleries are reaching a very wide audience for a cross section of work that they're representing. And the more people they can reach, the better it is for the artist because the artist is getting exposed to a wider and, you know, international audience that they wouldn't have been exposed to before. That's true. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of making art really, isn't it? Because it's also fast and it's turning over constantly and there's always something different and something new every second. It's yeah, you're right. It's the opposite it's, it, to yeah, what it is right. that's there like you know the making a making the actual product is slow it's lonely it's always you know isolating I guess um I actually like the isolation of making work though I think that's something you become a bit addicted to like in the beginning it might sort of seem a bit difficult but if you don't have it you long for it you long for that connection Mm. so connection to the painting to yourself to yeah the landscape it's like a meditation yeah it is it is definitely Mm. well I can't wait to get the video online as well because we shot the video a few weeks ago that was just a fantastic day that we spent together Um, and I can't wait to see all those paintings that were in the studio at um, up in the gallery at Flinders Lane so good luck with the show thank you so much Maria and thanks so much for inviting me on the podcast it's my pleasure what a great woman and artist I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Susan Baird if you're in Melbourne go to her show at Flinders Lane Gallery details are on the website as well as links to things we talked about on the show If you can't get to her Melbourne show, her next solo show will be back in Sydney where she's represented by Art House Gallery. Also, the video will be on the YouTube channel soon. Just search Talking With Painters uh, playlist on YouTube or else even just search that on your search engine and it should come up. There's almost 100 videos on there now. They're about three to four minutes long and they're all of podcast guests. So um, go and check it out if you haven't already. I love your ratings and reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now. Thanks so much for those recent ones. And if you're looking for a way to support the podcast, that is an excellent way of doing it, as is telling a friend about uh, the podcast that you think might be interested in it. Again, thanks for listening. I appreciate every single one of those downloads and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking With Painters. It's, it's a very different thing to going to a studio in Sydney. So I feel like my whole life is painting up there. Whether I'm painting or not, I'm thinking about painting. If mm. I'm not painting, mm. I'm looking at a book about painting or talking to someone about painting or walking in the landscape and just dreaming about a painting I might make. Or Yeah. You know, so the minute I wake up there and I see that light come through my bedroom window, I want to get outside. Mm. and look at it you know I can be out there in my jammies taking photos of things because they just it just amazes me so much 